Hello and welcome to Queer Writer, the show that celebrates LGBTQ plus artists and creators. I am your host, Poppy Fella Pellegrino, and you're listening to Sheridan Life Radio. Today's episode will be another roundtable, this time on the topic of racism within the queer community in Toronto and in Canada. To help me talk about this, we've got three amazing humans, Shady, Juliet, and Rachel. I'll go ahead and let them introduce themselves, but uh, I'd just like to thank them for being on the show. They're all wonderful to talk to, and I definitely learned a lot, and I hope people listening will learn a lot as well. Okay, I'll start. Um, hi, uh, my name is Juliet. Um, I'm 18. I use she, her pronouns. Um, I am a lesbian. My background is a uh, South African on my mom's side and uh, white on my father's, uh, if it's not obvious. I am a filmmaker and I, I really like working in dance and BLM specifically talking about BLM through dance and also working in queer films. I love working with kids. I volunteered at a children's hospice from, let's say, 2014, I think it was, up until 2020 because of Corona. We shut shut down our uh, youth team. Yeah, I'm finishing up high school uh, and I hope to start university soon. Awesome, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, Juliette. So my name is Rachel. I'm 18 as well. And I am queer and non-binary. And my background is I am Chinese and Filipino. And I mean, I know Poppy because we're in the same program. Uh, Bachelor of Film and Television at Sheridan College. Nice to meet you. Uh, my name is Shady and uh, I studied uh, in 2018 performing arts at uh, Sheridan Prep. Uh, and that's why I know all of you somehow through friends. Um, I moved to Canada in 2015. Uh, I am queer and I am part of the queer community in the Middle East and North Africa. My background, I'm from Egypt, uh, and uh, just a disclaimer, not everyone who speaks Arabic are Arabs, not all Arabs are Muslims, not all Muslims are Arabs. That's important because I'm from Egypt, I I speak Arabic, but I consider myself African-Egyptian. I'm Coptic, Catholic, which is a religious minority in Egypt. I don't speak about the religion, but about the cultural aspect of being part of a minority, and yeah. So, so that's, uh, that's uh, my background. I, since I was a kid, I was very active in lots of nonprofit organizations in my hometown in Egypt. I'm from south of Egypt and uh, I volunteered in many places until I established my own social enterprise that support freedom of expression, diversity and cultural identity through art. Also, I was active in, and working with uh, LGBTIQ organizations in the Middle East and North Africa, especially to support activists for capacity buildings for community organizing. And since I moved to Canada, I supported in translating, especially for the Syrian and Iraqi refugee who moved uh, during the Syrian crisis in 2015 and 2016. Um, also, 
working now with youth, uh, supporting youth uh, to access employment in Toronto. Um, and that, uh, I like, I learned a lot through that. Thank wow. you. Wow. Awesome. Uh, thanks so much for being here and welcome to the show, everyone. Um, so I thought we could just start maybe with your experiences with racism within the queer community. Uh, I, yeah, I, I can start. I can, I can talk about some funny situations. Um, I, I, I like usually uh, to, to turn everything annoying into a big joke uh, because sarcasm, it's my key. Uh, if I talk everything serious, I will be really angry. I don't want to be angry. Uh, and I cannot be angry because of the ignorance of other people. So it's not my own ignorance. So if I'm talking about discrimination within the queer and LGBT community in Canada, especially in Toronto, uh, as this is where the place I live for the past six years, I came from a place where it's totally forbidden to be out in my culture and to organize and even now voices start to raise up and people uh, talking uh, and I want to consider a dear friend and she passed away last year, Sarah Hagazi. She's a fighter. She held the rainbow flag in a concert in Egypt for a queer band from Lebanon and she got arrested and she re reallocated to Canada, but she committed suicide last year. Um, so. Let's remember her because she's she's an icon uh, for our society. Um, so since I moved to Canada, I figured that society is separated mainly by type. Also, um, people of color, and I can say not only people of color, non-white people, they are sexualized as a fetish or fantasy. Um, and I've never felt that before until coming to Canada that people look to me as I am a fetish. That's why I said the disclaimer at the beginning about my religion, because I was I was uh, meeting someone and in the middle of the intimate relationship, someone told me, I like your Osama style. And he meant Osama bin Laden. And for me, that's um, that's a problem because we cannot fantasize a terrorist who kill people. I think in terms of fetishization, like because it happens so often for people of color in, in the um, LGBTQ plus community, whenever I'm talking to someone, my first thought is like my mind is just always thinking like, oh, they're really cute. But what if they see me as a fetish? You know what I mean? Like my mind is just always thinking that I like I, it's just never thinking someone's cute or never just thinking like I want to talk to that person. It's always like is that person racist? Is that person anti-racist? Like, will they fetishize me? And yeah. I, I think I have a similar experience in it, almost on a different spectrum though. Um, for, for me, it was very difficult for me to recognize if people were being racist towards me or homophobic because it took a very, very long time for me to process and recognize that I and see myself as a woman of color, as a part of a person who is in the BIPOC community because I'm so fair-skinned. Um, it, it took a minute for me to recognize because whenever I tried to connect with people in my schools who were African or were just colored and not the cookie cracker friends that I did have, 
as they would describe themselves. It was very difficult for me to join that because, you know, I was always told I was too white and I went to a very homophobic middle school in hindsight. I didn't realize how homophobic they all were until I started to break down all of my own internalized homophobia and come to recognize that I'm not, in fact, attracted to men in that way as I was so convinced I was for so long. When I would talk to people and, you know, I started to identify as bisexual, I always got fetishized for being bisexual. And it was like, oh, threesome. Oh, that's great. Like, we should totally, like, get another girl in. And whenever I talked to girls about being bisexual, it was always looked at as, oh, I'm trying to experiment. Will you make out with me? Or I want to get that guy's attention. Will you make out with me? And a lot of people would fetishize me being of mixed race and really thought it was fun to call me exotic for being both, um, which I had a deep, a deep problem with. And now that I know who I am in my identity, and my identity with my background, with my with my heritage and with my sexuality, it's easier for me to have conversations with people and be like, mm, maybe don't say that. But back in South Africa, most of my family is Muslim. And if they're not Muslim, they're Christian and they're heavy Christian. So being gay is not exactly supported because especially during apartheid, if you were gay, you would be arrested and a lot of the times you would be killed. And it was very hard times. So a lot of my family is accepting to an extent. But my one uncle who's um, much, much older than my mother, so he's really more of a grandfather to me because my opa passed away when I was very young, grew up in a time prior to apartheid and then grew up as a young parent with queer family members during apartheid. So being gay, is not necessarily an option in his eyes because if I were to come out, he's convinced that utter, utter harm would come towards me. So having to tell him is a very big, scary, very scary thing because he says homophobic slurs sometimes and just homophobic comments. And we have to constantly remind him that that's not okay and that it's okay to be gay now, it's safe, at least in Canada, it's safer. I wouldn't say it's 100% safe because it's not 100% safe to be gay anywhere if we're being completely honest. There's homophobic people who will be people just for who they want to love, which is absurd. And that is a hard, hard pill to swallow because as great as Toronto is, as great as Canada is, there are so many issues when it comes to people being racist or people being homophobic that people just brush under the rug because they want to be like, no, Canada's great, we're all nice here, everyone's accepting. And I'm like, well, for someone who doesn't look like I'm part of the BIPOC community, community I've been called racist things. Uh, there's also a point, so there is the, the point of, I, I was volunteering in Ghana last year before of the COVID and because of COVID I came back uh, with a Canadian organization and I remember we were talking there about the word people of color. And it's funny that in Ghana and even in Egypt, we see that people of color are white people because they are colored. They have like blonde hair, blue eyes, white skin. Like there are lots of colors in one person mm -hmm. compared to me. I'm not that colored compared to a black person. They're not colored. So 
definitions sometimes based on where we are and how we see it, what, which glasses we are looking to that problem from. Right. And Juliette, you mentioned a lot about the apartheid system and the apartheid regime. I've been to South Africa and with honor, I was there in 2008 celebrating with the United Nations six years of the Human Rights Declaration. And I went to the Constitution Hill there in Johannesburg. And that place, um, the amount of injustice that happened by the apartheid regime, and when we call apartheid regime, we call the white supreme, supreme regime in South Africa. Uh, it's a huge problem because when it comes to racism, discrimination, and I apologize to everyone, it's a problem from, I can say, from the shallow white mentality because I'm not going to play it back and say from white people. I cannot play the discrimination back and say, oh, white people discriminate. Because I can say that, but I'm not going to say that. I say it from shallow minds. Uh, most of people in the world, especially to the American movies, we have exposure. So I'm, I'm from Egypt. I saw American movies. So I know that we have the Egyptian culture and there is a Western culture. But most of youth in North America, especially Canada and the States, this is the only media they are exposed to. So they don't know what's the other person's perspective. And that make it a problem because now my perspective is the default. No one is default. We're all equal. So sometimes I really don't like using I'm a person of color or when I move to Canada, people start to call me your brown. Uh, really, that, that was the first time I heard that there's humans are brown. And I, I'm, I'm very like visualizing person. So when they say brown, the only thing that comes to my mind is the poop. So why why am the color of poop? Like, like why this color comes to me? <laughs> and it, and it, it's all the time, what, like what's the problem of color? And lately was my folks and friends in Egypt, when I speak, I start to speak a lot about color. We are the people of color and the white mentality, white supremacy, all of that. And lately they start to tell me, Shady, why you're speaking about color? You weren't speaking about color before moving to Canada. And I start to reflect about that. And the cultural here affected me and affected me to speak about the color and to see color. And, and this, is, this is a huge problem. In Canada, we have a systematic racism. So it's inherited in our system, in our education system, in our culture, in everything. And to change something like that, it's not easy. It's not easy at all. To acknowledge it, it's, it's complicated. To change it, it's, it's, I don't want to say impossible, but it's very hard. So we live in a place that the mainstream culture here looks at itself, it's a superior, and anyone else doesn't fit in this superior category, we should give them a name and a category. Like, for example, I, am, I was in a meeting with uh, like some, some um, community voluntary work, and there is a new category I heard about, the Black Arabs. Like, excuse me, what's going on? Now we're going to subcategorize everyone. Like, we're all human. It's the 21st century. We have, since 1948, the Universal Human Rights Declaration. 
Canada since the 80s, and it's one of the pioneer countries in the world to legalize same-sex marriage and to decriminalize uh, same-sex relationships. And, and we need to build on that. The Pride, for example, the Pride Parade, in the 80s, the Pride Parade was a political protest statement to say we are exist. Now it's a market for all the companies and the banks and the corporates to sponsor and take our money. Look at the village. The village now it's only for gay men, professional gay men who goes to the gym, not to everyone. The village before was more inclusive. There was lesbians, there was gays, there was trans. Now the trans people, when it comes for, from, especially men, men do have an issue, really. And I, I don't know why they do have an issue. They feel they are better than anyone, even like, like guys, <laughs> what's going on? And even the gay community, like, no, 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 we don't like lesbians, we don't like feminists. They are against us. Like, excuse me, guys, without the feminists, you're going to have no place in that society. And those ladies, without them, no one of us got to have the space to speak. So we should acknowledge that. We should acknowledge that the position we are in now, it's because of people who have been through a very hard situations and they took the courage to change and to make difference. And we cannot forget it because we have the privilege now. So maybe the scope or the, the glasses that we are seeing the reality from in Canada, that might be, for me, the cause of racism, discrimination. Uh, maybe I'm just opening this and, and I would like also to hear from you if you think about that. I think that's really interesting what you're saying, Shady, because I... I agree, like, I think that's why um, I hear, like, I just recently started hearing the term more um, racialized people. It's so interesting how all of the language we use that has become so close to my identity and so close to who I feel like I am and, like, means something to me, like, people of, like, I'm a person of color, I'm Asian, you know? Um, is like all of the language is like made up, I would assume, by like white people and all this stuff is like created by white people. And I think like this obsession with labels and, and putting people into boxes also stems from white supremacy. White supremacy is so ingrained in our language and like the way we categorize ourselves and like, like how I know it a lot is like gender and the gender binary. I just thought that was really interesting that what you were saying. I, I fully agree with that. I, I think it's a, a big issue and it's an issue that is going to have to be worked on and talked about a long time because white supremacy is so in, integrated and in everything. It built everything that we have today. Modern society was built off of white supremacy. And so the idea and the notion that, you know, racism will be eradicated in the next five years, that, you know, all of these systems will be fixed in the next 10 years is honestly quite ridiculous. One of the biggest things that needs to be recognized is recognizing the past work, is recognizing 
all the protests, all of the petitions, and all of the speakers who came before us and what they did, and look at how long it took them to do such minor changes, but those minor changes had a very large impact. They were a big deal, but in the great scheme of things, they were minor. And I think it needs to be recognized at how long it took to get those advancements and how many people are still fighting to go back, to take steps backwards and to eradicate the work and the progress that has been done because, you know, racism and sexism and homophobia isn't going to be eradicated by the time we're all in our 90s or 80s or whatever. That's not going to happen. It's going to be a fight that our grandkids and our great-grandkids are still going to have to fight because... racism isn't a problem that dates back 400 years you know it's not a problem that has been around 400 years it's a problem that has been documented for 400 going back 400 years but black history and any history that isn't european history didn't just start 400 years ago you know it's been around as longer than your european history has been around because all life started in africa you know, it, it, black people's history doesn't start with slavery. The issue with white supremacy and everything is that it's only been documented for so long and people refuse to acknowledge that it's still going on, that it's maybe more passive aggressive and a bit more subtle and interwoven. But by recognizing that it's so interwoven into everything is how you recognize that it's such a big problem. It's so integrated into everything that we don't even notice it. We're so used to it. I, I agree with everyone who spoke about this um, topic, but um, so Canada, and this is something really good, it's a decentralized government. So it's not centralized government, which means that the government doesn't decide or control everything we do. And that's amazing. Yeah, there is lots of cons for that, but really that's like, I really don't want to live in authoritarian regime <laughs> like no more so so that's good but the problem is the application of the legal uh, and and like i can say the law and the legal infrastructure so we so we have same-sex marriage we have anti-discrimination laws but when you come to apply it does that police officer in this police station believes in this or not and it's not the role of the government to make that person believe in something because we have the freedom of belief in Canada, so the Canada government cannot impose anyone to believe in a certain idea. If someone totally against same-sex marriage, we are okay, you can be against that. But you cannot discriminate against someone, and you cannot be aggressive against someone, because here we are equal. So this is the role of the government. But then comes the role of the society. And here's the problem. Because first of all, in Canada, Canada, we are so nice and we are so kind, not because we are so nice and we are so kind. It's because Canada, we decide that this is our international image. So I can say that we decide to be kind of using passive aggression instead of being direct, not to lose the status of being kind. So if I want to hate you in Canada, I wouldn't say I hate you. I would say, oh, that's so awesome, but it's not my cup of tea. So this attitude somehow doesn't fix any problem because we don't have the chance to speak up 
and to take everything that's inside us to the other person and say, do you know what? I really cannot accept you. Why you cannot accept me? Is it because of my color that makes something? Yeah, you know, like Muslim people from your country, but I'm not Muslim. And this is something like I am secular. I am totally secular. I don't like to identify myself by any religion. And I had, since I moved to Canada, to say I'm Christian for safety. And this is funny. <laughs> As I said from the beginning, I'm using, I'm going to use sarcasm instead of anger. So it's so funny. Like, why I have to say something, I don't believe it's something that it's for public. Yeah, some other Christians or Muslims, they think that they have to show it to the public about their religion. I don't think so. So, but I have to, because otherwise I'm categorized, I've been treated very badly, and I don't want to have, that. Like, like, when it comes to, like, survival mood nothing nothing else um so that's that's a problem and and we don't have the an open talk socially speaking as society in canada to say we don't like that some people has to change and it's in our culture as well like I learned in the past six years to speak like that. I came from Egypt, I was part of the revolution, and I say to the president, you go now, I don't go home. And in Canada, I cannot use the same approach because people get offended, they get upset, and once I'm offended, you disrespect me, I'm leaving discussion. So we cannot go through discussion, but sometimes we should be vulnerable to get into discussion. Sometimes, I, I really, it's okay if someone told me, you were thinking bad against me. You need to rethink this thoughts, those thoughts. But the culture here doesn't accept that because we're so nice. So being nice all the time, we have to be smiling and we have those lovely butterflies around us. And Canada, it's heaven for everyone. It is. We have the amazing legal infrastructure for equality and equity in Canada, but it's the application. That's why in Canada, we mostly speak about inclusion, not diversity, because we're diverse. I don't think there is any other word, any other country in the world that diverse like Canada or any other city in the world that is diverse like Toronto, but the inclusion. So if we bring all those people together and they do not work together, what's going to happen? We're going to have like ghettos, we're going to have bubbles, and those bubbles, each bubble does have a different perspective about the other, and we agree with the other bubbles if we hate another bubble, and we start to play it like that. But we don't come together and sit on one table and, hey guys, we're human, like, hello. That's it. That's super fine. Like, why should come with all the labels and it's it's as Juliet said unfortunately people cannot understand you without having a label and all the time people make fun of me like define yourself I'm a human being what does that mean I'm a human being <laughs> what does that mean it means I'm a human being why I have to give you like I have to say I'm a queer person uh, person of color uh, from Egypt I'm a refugee blah 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 why and, and this, is, this is the issue that really have the problem, because if we sit together and we listen to each other genuinely without the re-assumptions that we have, I'm pretty sure 
I'm pretty sure that ice will break down and we're gonna feel that's awesome. It's awesome to live in a place that there is a taste and a flavor from each, each place in the world. It's awesome to live in a place that if you wanna learn about another culture, about anything in the world, you can ask your neighbor, but we don't talk to our neighbors in Canada. This social discussion should somehow to be opened in a safe environment that allow everyone to express themselves in a way, in a genuine way, authentic way, and people who perceive that expression do not get offended. And, and this, is, this is important to be open. And, and also something else that we own, we own the truth, we own the knowledge. Um, and this is the problem of white supremacy, that we know everything. When I was in Ghana, there was one of my neighbors, he's German, he's an architect. And, and he told me that I'm coming to Ghana to teach those primitive people how to be civilized. I told him, excuse me, what are you talking about? He said, yeah, like they never reached that level of civilization that Europeans have reached. I told him, you cannot speak like that. You cannot say that. He said, they don't have Mozart, they don't have Beethoven, but they have their own music. You compare this to our music, it's more civilized. And then he started to speak how African are primitive and they are not civilized until I had to use the card. I told him, excuse me, I'm Egyptian. And if you're gonna talk about civilization, you need to stop because your people didn't do what my ancestors have done. And you were primitive when my ancestors were building pyramids without slavery. They had HR, they had teams, they had like supervisors. They were working as society without any kind of slavery. And if you're going to speak like that, I'm going to turn it against you. And he started to play it in a very dirty way. He said, no, I didn't mention Egyptians. You're civilized. I mentioned the black people. And then, no, you're not going to play it like that. And I asked him, he has to stop the conversation because this is, this is, this is dangerous. I, this is dangerous ideas. You left Germany, you came to Ghana to teach them how to be civilized. Go teach yourself how to be civilized. I, I want to say a point here about uh, being technology advanced versus being civilized. So civilization comes from the Latin word civility, and civility means act of kindness. It doesn't mean technology advancement. So if we are a group of people, we live in the middle of nowhere, and we have a small tent or a hut, and we know how to respect each other, we are civilized. That's it. We don't have to have like an iPhone or like uh, high-rise buildings and subways and all of that. No, you cannot assume that there are some people less than me because I know more than them. This is like, this is, uh, make no sense. I, God, it, you said so much that was like, yes. Um, with Canada, I absolutely agree. It's everything is so passive aggressive, how everybody is nice to each other or rude to each other. It's so forced kindness you know there's always like this little extra layer it's like oh i'm canadian i have to be nice i can't be honest like oh we're so great and inclusive and diverse so i can't actually say how i feel i'm just gonna tiptoe well if people continue with that view with that notion nothing is really ever gonna get done you can't have those hard and important conversations 
without speaking honestly, without speaking truth, because those conversations are supposed to be uncomfortable. You know, you can't change how your business works or how you add this one thing and be like, oh, okay, great, we're done, moving on. It's like, nope, not at all. That is, it is a hard issue. It is a long issue. And, you know, I say all of this as a woman with, who is basically white. And, you know, all of my education on this I am getting from my, from my mother, who is black who is an African woman. So I, whenever I speak on this, I'm not speaking, cause it's very, it's very rare for me, for people to say racial slurs towards me. Cause a lot of people don't even process the fact that I am of African background. But I think the biggest issue that I've faced, and I face this with friends and thankfully I, I have very open-minded friends. So when I brought it to their attention, they fully changed their language and understood what I was saying because I've had friends talk to me as if I'm their designated person of color. You know, I am their friend of color. Oh, I can teach them all about racism. And I'm like, honey, no. I'm I'm learning about racism as I go. I am, I've had very few uh, interactions with people where I've been called racial slurs. The, the rudest thing I've ever been called is an Oreo or a coconut, which in hindsight is not exactly very nice if you think about their intention of calling that. If I'm being more heavily racialized, it's when I'm with my mother. And so when I have to have a conversation with people and they come to me for all their questions and I'm like, you can't. I barely know any of this. First of all, I'm only 18. I've barely been on the planet with a conscious mind long enough to have this conversation. I'm not at all well-versed in this to educate you. Not And nor am I the person to. Plus, one of the biggest issues that a lot of people need to recognize is that you can't go to your black friends, you can't go to your colored friends to be educated. It's not their job to educate you. It's your job to educate yourself. It's your job to recognize that you need to unlearn a lot of stuff and relearn just because someone doesn't act the way you are just because somebody was raised differently or their environment is different to yours doesn't invalidate everything about them it doesn't mean that yours is more is yours is better yours is more civilized yours is of higher value that can't be the thing and one of the biggest issues with canadians is that they need to recognize that we have that issue. So this is this is the problem. It should be maybe through like social, I believe in social change. And I believe in like um, the change using the fork and knife, like easy peasy, take your time. We're not changing today. We're changing maybe four or five generations from now. So we need to work on it from today. And this culture goes from the parents to the children to the grandchildren and so on. For me, I am so lucky that I, I grew up in an intellectual house. My father, my mother, they read a lot. If they were like mainstream Egyptian, and I'm not from even the capital, I'm from south of Egypt. So I'm pretty sure I will be like a mainstream um, idiot. I don't say that Egyptians are idiots, but I say that mainstream people everywhere because they don't work their minds. They don't ask. And there is no problem to ask. People are afraid to ask. Because when you ask your own beliefs, you shake yourself. Imagine 
me as I will speak like religion wise. I believe in God. I believe in Jesus Christ. He's my savior. And then I decide to be agnostic. Who gonna save me? No one. Why there is someone saving me from the first place? I don't know. So I have to ask myself those questions. And if I open that door to myself, it's like opening the doors of hell because there's lots of questions. Religion gives me an easy answer to make me stable, comfortable, at ease. So, and, and, and this is a problem. Stability, it's a problem for human beings all the time. We, we invented those computers, we invented everything to feel and live more comfortable because this is an instinct. But actually it makes us less comfortable. I don't know how come. But we need to ask ourselves why we made that, why I'm thinking like this. Why this thought came to my mind? As it came to my mind, like I saw someone for the first time, I didn't feel okay toward them. Is it my gut or is it because they are from uh, a specific culture that I am against? I need to be open to myself. And it's very hard to be honest with yourself. like to to look at yourself to the mirror and take all the masks that you face people every day with and be honest with yourself, it's not easy. And I think this is something about the human consciousness, the human being as race, all of us as species, we should evolve. Because if we look to other like species, animals, we are the most species that we kill each other's. Like lions, they don't kill each other's like us. Ants, they don't kill each other like us. So we kill ourselves. I don't know how come, because we want to be a lot. I, it's, there's, there's a problem in our consciousness. And, and those questions that we're not afraid to ask ourselves about, this will change our own perspective. As someone who believes in social change, I, I believe in the seeds theory. So I have a bag of seeds, and those seeds are thoughts. I throw in seeds everywhere I'm walking. Maybe that seed will grow up and be a tree. Maybe that seed will just grow up a couple of months and then die. Maybe this seed will not see the sun forever. I don't know. I will keep throwing the seeds because that's my own belief system. But I cannot oblige anyone to change their opinion because I will not accept anyone to impose their ideas on me. So it's a little bit tricky. So this, I think, if, like, yeah, maybe this call, like this talk today on the radio, that could be a seed for us. We, four of us, throwing that seed to the audience who are going to hear us, who are going to think. Maybe they are going to open their cell phones and go to Google and start to search about some materials, how to can uh, expand their awareness about that topic. We need more of this. We need more of those rocks and the water to make it, to shake it a little bit. Thanks for listening. If you would like to keep up to date with the show, follow us on Instagram at queerator underscore podcast. I'll see you next time. Stay proud.